When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. We are psyched because today we are diving into episode four, or episodes four, of both the future arc and despair arc of the Danganronpa anime, Danganronpa 3. Because of that, this episode will spoil the Danganronpa 3 anime, fourth episodes. We hope you enjoy. And without further ado, I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. And I'm Caroline. And, and we're, we're the, the Ultra, Ultra Hope, Hope Girls. Girls. Guys. <laughs> One. Two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumpa Podcast. Showtime. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. <laughs> I think it's great. We'll do it like harmony that time. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. Ooh, what? Oh, okay, okay. That was cute. That was cute. I think we all sing. Mm, I don't know. No, I think it's just me. <laughs> Let's get started. Yeah. I don't have a ton to talk about in these two episodes. I will say I felt like while interesting things happened, it wasn't necessarily a lot that was hidden information before. Right. Yeah, because there was an implied sort of relationship with Seiko and then the ultimate blacksmith in uh, Rurika, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think. Like that was sort of implied, but we found out more. We found out the origin story, but again, that was more in the second episode of these, not the fir- not the future arc, the despair. I mean, it starts off with a Monokuma's recap of what's happening, which I'm pretty sure sometimes skips, like depending on where you start the episode. But it is interesting because he said two things that I found interesting. The first was suspicion is survival, and the second was please note. Hagakure is outside because no one likes him. Yes! I had a note about that too. I was like, oh my goodness. Remember, I think it was like episode one or something when I, I asked the question, I was like, why is, like, why did they leave Hiro outside? Like, why isn't he in there? And now we have our answer. So. We have the- <laughs> nobody likes him. No, we like him. The Ultra Hope Girls stand. We yeah. stand. We stand. I kind of liked that little like Monokuma intro. It almost felt like, you know, it was kind of reminiscent of the Monokuma theaters from the games and whatnot. And then one kind of interesting thing that he brought up that caught my attention was that he said, if the time limit runs out and nobody has died, then you win the game. And I don't know if I just missed something or I didn't catch on or something, but like, I did not know that. And then Makoto and Munakata, their like later conversation confirms that the attacker can just end the game whenever they want. I don't know why that's news to me, but I didn't know that. And I was like a little surprised to hear that because I was like oh what are the implications of that yeah that is interesting Hmm. I do think that they said that before when they introduced the rules of the game I'm pretty sure that's how they said that you could yeah I might have I might have just missed it yeah just because like I don't know do you do you remember or had you remembered any way to end the game or was it just like go for it like you know try and find the traitor I I guess I I thought that like if you kill the attacker before they kill you and then the attacker's dead. Oh, 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 okay. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think that it would be like, oh, the attacker can just choose not to kill somebody. But I guess that's kind of smart because like Munakata brings up later, theoretically, the attacker could skip around and everyone could just be like, oh, the attacker's dead. We're good. Yay. Like, you know, and then the attacker who is theoretically at this point still implied with the remnants of despair can then infiltrate the the future foundation. So I was like, oh, that is a good point. But I do not know why I missed that. Yeah, I do think that conversation with Minakata that was interesting where he's talking about the strategies, um, that's definitely a strategy and it is used in Town of Salem. Like yeah. <laughs> mentioned. Oh yeah, that's that's high up there. But I don't know. I mean, I think in this conversation with him and right afterwards I mean Tengen, Makoto and even Kyoko I believe later all call Munakata like crazy or they at least imply it at some point like it's like he is absolutely insane and I'm not saying he's not because he's saying let's kill a lot of people and that will help the world that's Mm -hmm. not normal but it is interesting because I do think that Munakata brings up good points. Like when he says, was Enoshima defeated without sacrifice? And Makoto has no answer. Like he he does have some points. And I think that while he is at a very extreme level and clearly, you know, a lot of what he's saying should be toned down a, a bit, a lot. Um, I don't know. I think that some of what he says gets pushed under the rug kind of quickly. I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, and he says something about, like, doesn't the deepest despair market themselves as hope? And I that is true! That is so accurate! Like, every cult, every rise of a dictator, everything has been a promise for a hopeful future. But it always, always comes at the expense of others, rather than being, like, leadership that emphasizes all people and, and without putting others down. Also, I have a note that just says this. It just shows how like much I was like scrambling to find things to talk about. Munakata reminds me of a grown-up Draco Malfoy. <laughs> no wonder I like him. <laughs> wow. <Ooh. laughs> Actually, though, I do have a note, and this is um this is in the Despair Arc episode four, but it connects to this a lot, I think. And so I guess I feel like maybe I'll just bring it up now. Chisa in that episode um, at one point has a quote she says there is no such thing as a hope that hurts others and that's kind of like what you were saying Caroline about kind of how what markets itself as hope is often at the expense of others when it comes to those kinds of things but it was interesting to me because my initial reaction to what when Chisa says that is that I kind of disagreed because I thought that like you know, I mean, we all have our own hopes and our own goals in our lives. And those goals and hopes are always going to conflict with somebody else's. And that doesn't mean that we have to hurt people necessarily to get what we want. But I mean, any individual person pursuing their own hope, even if their own goals are valid and honorable, at some point, they've probably hurt someone in the pursuit of their goals, whether it's just through disappointing someone who wanted something else from them or having to compete with somebody for the position that they're in you know there's there's always some kind of expense in in my opinion or not maybe not always but often I think that kind of reminds me of La La Land a little bit and how like the both you know creators and artists had their ambitions and dreams and had to sacrifice their romantic relationship which wasn't necessarily bad or problematic but it was like it came at the expense of each other and they chose 
not each other. They chose their original love. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you, Maddie. And I also disagree. I think we've talked a lot about what hope is and what despair is and how there's not necessarily a good or bad to it, depending on how it's used. And it reminds me a lot of when we did our Nagito character analysis, where we talked about how his hope isn't always good, but it is hope. Like there, I don't know. Right. I I definitely hear you in, on, on disagreeing with Chiza. It, it, relating to that, like Nagito's hope and his luck it's different than Makoto's and this is going back to comparing Makoto and Nagito because it always comes at the expense of others that was like a literal note I had and I have even to take it a step further that Seiko is almost like the butt of Nagito's luck she's like the anti-Nagito and I don't know like what about like what that says about her character or I don't know or what they're trying to say about pharmacists I have no idea but um <laughs> like I don't know but yeah like just as a character she is the anti-Nagito she she has the worst luck oh, I want to talk about Seiko but that's in the future so I feel like we should probably go back um, okay okay uh or that's in despair I mean the next thing I have is about Tengen and just kind of his dramatic character shift in this episode yeah because he goes from being a mentally powerful individual to being an all-around powerful and challenging individual and he he clearly earned his position i i don't think we know if he has an ultimate talent at this point or if we ever learn that but you know he's a pretty fit dude for being probably in his 70s i would guess maybe 80s yeah, I don't know. I was just shocked when when that happened. I was shocked too. And I had a note about like, oh my gosh, Tengen just beat up the ultimate boxer and like made <laughs> easy work of it. And then there's a um, a moment later when he's fighting Munakata and he just yeets him through the air. Like he literally just like picks him up and throws him. I'm like, oh my God, like how is this man? Like, wow. So yeah, that's incredible. And he has like the freaking like, they're not like ninja stars. They're like, some, he's shooting something out of his sleeve. Like, I don't know what that is. But I also have, in, in this episode, it feels like there's just like an explosion of violence. And like, I was a little confused at times because like, Ruderka, the confectioner girl, she just like has bombs that she's trying to like bomb Seiko with. And then Gekko Gahara pulls out the freaking machine guns on her wheelchair and like Tengen is like you know beating people up I'm just like why is everyone prepared for war like I, I just I was like wow I'm overwhelmed <laughs> another thing kind of relating to that that I noticed about this episode is that this is the first episode that like past dynamics we don't know what they are but they are affecting what's going on like very actively in like the violence within each other and the fact that all of these characters are prepared for war implies that from the beginning they didn't trust of the others in the room and i'm curious to see what we find out about all of the character relationships from like the the despair arc and how it affects the future arc because i think that's one of the most interesting parts of the series is how it plays with storytelling in that way yeah i think it directly relates to the one of the first things monokuma says in this episode is suspicion is survival and it's clear that everyone other than probably makoto and hina 
I would say just those two. I think Kyoko probably does live by suspicion of survival, but like everyone else is living by that mantra of trust no one. And I mean, you guys know in past episodes, I've always said like these people are way too easy to trust. And, you know, like I feel like people sometimes are not the smartest in these games. Like, how could you trust these people so fast? But it's interesting to see how that seems to be hurting them as a group in this scenario. Um, at least so far, because they haven't really made any progress yet on finding out who the traitor is. Yeah, they have not. But but Munakata um, acknowledges that Makoto is probably not the attacker, which is interesting to me. I have a, a note that sort of compares. I mean, so we we have we learned, or I learned, that the uh, voice actress who plays Seiko is the same voice actress who plays Genocide Jack, Aaron Fitzgerald, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure if Aaron Fitzgerald plays Genocide Jack in the anime, um, but she definitely plays her in the game. So just like I, I don't want to like mix that up in case I'm not crediting someone, and I apologize. I don't remember off the top of my head if they're the same, but. I think it is really interesting because I think that there are some similarities between Toko and Seiko that that like are kind of present. And one of the biggest ones being the fact that Seiko, like in the future arc, like completely transforms into this like monstrous creature. And Toko has like something monstrous living inside her. But the key difference between both of those characters is that Seiko has control over what she becomes and Toko doesn't. Um, and so that I feel like is really interesting because it almost feels like Seiko is like choosing to live a life of like being bitter and lashing out at people who've wronged her rather than Toko, who it's a mental health situation. So her body is just coping with past trauma. I don't know. Just an interesting observation. Seiko wow. woke up and chose violence. <laughs> she woke up and said, I want to murder today. <laughs> That's really real, though. And we don't yeah. know a lot the relationship between Seiko and uh, Ruruka and Yoi at this point but we do know that they were childhood friends they've said that based on the scene that happened in the lab in this episode it, it's very strange to me how much uh, Ruruka has over Seiko like all she had to say was you're my best friend and that was enough for Seiko to kind of drop everything and and act that way and, and so it's just, it'll be interesting to see if they go into that more. But that also reminds me of what you were saying with Toko, where, you know, in her backstory, she really just wanted to be appreciated and loved and wanted by someone, by a boy. And in this case, it's Seiko trying to find that through friendship. I don't know. I really like that, that metaphor. Thank you. That's really true. That's super deep. Th that juxtaposition. Mm. <laughs> so i have a note just it's a quick quote from kyoko that i really like and it's preconceptions get in the way of clear thinking i really loved that that was so accurate because it can be applied to so many different things like like yeah great um and i just have a plot note that is monica is controlling gekko gahara and gekko gahara is a robot question mark <laughs> robot eye. i like i wasn't you know but yeah so something going on there yeah, I I wondered like at that point I was like, oh my gosh, like if Gekko Gahara is a robot, like it made me think that like because we kind of see the scene when is it Sakakura who like pushes her chair over and she goes flying onto the floor and she just kind of lays there motionless, she, like mm -hmm. doesn't seem like she's dead. That wasn't that much force, but she doesn't get up. And so then I was wondering like, oh my gosh, like if she's a robot, like did she just get like unplugged from the chair and now she like. <laughs> 
she's like buffering or something i feel like it it does kind of pose a lot of different questions because there are a lot of scenarios that could span out from here gecko kahara could be a real person who was hurt killed murdered kidnapped whatever by monica and is missing gecko kahara could have never existed and been a robot and monica qualified to be the ultimate um i think that it was the school therapist is what gecko kahara is so monica could be the school therapist for hope's peak which says a lot wow (laughs) or it could be a a third option where gecko kahara has been a robot and was just hacked into by monica uh, monica and so it's a temporary change Mm. Um, and so yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the second option. I think that's the funniest one. <laughs> <laughs> Monica's the school council. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Mon- gosh! You know, Mon- fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, doing Gekko, a good job. Gekko Gahara or Monica has a quote right before you find out that it is Monica, and it's "Have a little faith in your soulmate." And she has that quote right before she goes and battles Juzo, and I. I mean, I've, I've seen this anime before. And so when I watched that, I was like, I know that this is Monica. Like, what what exactly does that mean? And who is she saying that to? Because right after that, Hina's like, after we get out of here, we're going to eat a lot of donuts, which means that it's implied that it's to Hina. But I think that it's Monica saying that to Makoto as kind of the ultimate hope, ultimate despair soulmate pairing that was so present back in Ultra Despair mm. Girls. She does consider herself to be the successor to Junko and Ashima at this point so I don't know I just thought it was kind of an interesting like syntax so about Rurika one thing I noticed is that she seems very incapable of taking care of herself like I really don't like her character um I don't at either this point yeah she literally like when she's hanging <laughs> hanging out with Yoi that's literally when they're being chased to the death and I'm like ah when they're hanging when they're out. vibing <laughs> <laughs> when they're hanging um Rurika like won't run on her own yeah Yoi always carries her and even upstairs like it's it's very strange to me and I know that there are rules Makoto can't run in the hallways and we don't know what their bands say and so potentially there's kind of a, a disconnect there but at this point it just seems very lazy she gives off a very lazy persona to her and I don't like it very much yeah and she also um you know when she tries to get Seiko's help in that um like competition thing later on in the despair arc episode when they have like their practicals and they have to show off their ultimate ability she seeks out Seiko's help in trying to you know her goal we will we find out that her goal did not go according to plan but her goal was to put a performance enhancing drug in her sweets so that um the judges would take and be like wow this is amazing blah, blah, blah. but like that kind of bothered me too because like that if if she's winning the competition or I guess not, maybe it's not a competition but if she's passing the practical because of that like that was Seiko's work not hers and I was right. just like yeah I kind of agree with you I, I don't I don't really like her and she doesn't even need the help the judges loved it for the first two seconds and then they had the laxative thing happen <laughs> right it was really classic. funny <laughs> I, I feel like she is deeply insecure honestly I mean we don't know a lot about her and I honestly don't remember a lot about her so that's a benefit to like I'm just taking a stab at that like she feels like somebody who isn't confident enough in her abilities or she has like big time imposter syndrome being at hope's peak 
and like feels like she needs that to like yeah uh, yeah Yeah. the last note i have for this half of the episode is um we see tangan and munakata fighting and they fall and tangan is impaled on a metal rod um and is clearly going to die from those injuries i don't know i I feel like i can say that it hasn't happened yet but he is impaled and there is no medical help nearby Um, (laughs) it's like pretty obvious (laughs) like i mean i don't know if anyone gets mad at me the audience for for spoiling that you can send me a message um the way that tangan kind of sacrificed himself i mean he clearly was not planning to sacrifice himself based on the way he said like lady luck has favored one of the two of us like it seemed like he was almost just going for it and would take whatever came but it it reminded me a little bit of the Sherlock Holmes ending I don't know if you guys saw that I can't remember which specific Sherlock Holmes it is but when they're like playing chess and then they take each other over the rails <laughs> Maddie I probably would think, be more like yeah I do know I, what you're talking about I think okay. I know yeah yeah that just reminded um, me of that yeah I mean I actually kind of had a question about that um and I didn't, I didn't write this down as a note. It just, I just remembered kind of having this thought, but like, was Tengen trying to kill Munakata, but like, didn't care. Just like, he was like, I'm, I'm going to take us both down. Like, cause it seemed like that was the implication that he was trying to kill Munakata. Maybe he thought that, you know, Munakata wasn't leading the future foundation well, and maybe he was endangering it. I'm not sure. Honestly. Yeah. I feel like he had to be, had to be because if he wasn't trying to kill him, I don't know what the point was of putting himself in such a precarious situation. Like he is an old man and yes, he can fight and he is smart and with it, all of that, but that doesn't make you impervious to a fall like at that height. And so he was very knowledgeably going about that, that throwing them over the ledge. And so I would say, yes, I, I don't know. He didn't seem too disappointed when he ended up in the worst spot, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he didn't seem surprised either. Like, I mean, I don't know. It was just weird. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, but make sure you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're Ultra Hope Girls podcast pretty much everywhere. And if you like what you're hearing today, leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. It is so helpful for the podcast and it means so much to us. And If you want bonus episodes every other week that we don't post, we have a Patreon where the lowest tier is just $2 a month and you get a bunch of awesome bonus content. Thanks y'all for listening and we'll be right back after the break. Hello everybody, Caroline here with a pretty exciting announcement. So I, separate from the other Ultra Hope girls, am offering some online virtual classes in things such as writing, because, you know, I'm the ultimate literary girl, and performing, and also some clubs and classes virtually via my own school, which I founded, called The Spilling Ink School. You can check that out at thespillinginkschool.com. I'm offering tutoring and college essays. I'm offering, you know, piano classes and all that jazz. So definitely check it out. It's a good time. And I will also be offering some clubs and classes that are Danganronpa related via OutSchool. So I'll keep the links all in the description. They are for people under 18, so ask your parents before checking it out. But yeah, I'm excited to potentially have some listeners in my classes, and I wanted to let you know that that's going on. So thanks so much in advance for checking it out, and I look forward to teaching some of you. 
So my first note about this episode, um, this episode four of the despair arc, is that it is called The Melancholy, Surprise, and Disappearance of Nagito Kamaeda. And I think that it should be called The Melancholy, Surprise, and Sheer Audacity of Nagito Kamaeda. Because, (laughs) like, first thing at the top of this episode, he's walking up to the teacher and just being like, yo, teach, can you just, like, cancel the exam? And she's like, no. And he's like, damn, okay, well, it was worth asking, though. (laughs) Like, just... just oh the audacity you, why did he think he would get a like get an answer from that like <laughs> come on he was like he, now i must resort to violence <laughs> he woke up and chose violence too <laughs> <He did>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i kind of get what he's saying like i don't know how you would test the ultimate lucky student mm-hmm. that's like, true okay nagito prove to us you're lucky like they all have to play uno all the lucky students compete in an uno tournament oh my god yeah. <laughs> hear me out though didn't he kind of prove his talent at the exams right but but here's the thing yes (laughs) (laughs) okay interesting point caroline going off of that (laughs) here's the thing he did and i think that was his plan i think that he like he wanted that something like that to happen Mm. because it's like yeah, that's the only way to to outdo everyone else. I, I was going to say, yeah, I kind of agree with that because even I think it's Jin Kirigiri who later says, um, wow, like if Nagito got all of that to happen with just his luck and like in that way, like that's a power that's so great. Like we shouldn't pass that over. I'm like, man, I, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, he's powerful, <laughs> but like in a scary way. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jin Kirigiri is not a very good headmaster he seems to make a lot of questionable choices all the time (laughs) hey don't insult my dad like that i'm sorry (laughs) the only reason i would disagree with that is he never wants to do anything against the ultimates and his actions the way that they went about caused three ultimates to get expelled and I don't think he would ever stand for that. You know, apparently they're doing fine. They're working for the Future Foundation. They had no trouble with job security, even though they literally got expelled for <laughs> a bomb threat. But I I don't know. I, I just don't think that he would have wanted that specific course of action. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I also have to say, like, why did Yoy, Issa Yoy, Yoy for short, why did he get expelled? Like he was just there. <laughs> he was just hanging out. Like he was just standing there. I don't like That's such a good point. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Hashtag Yoi did nothing wrong. I know, really. So the real MVP of this entire episode is the dog. I Oh my yes. god love the dog yes I, at first i started watching the episode in the first camera angle after you look at the door to the classroom is thousands of that's an exaggeration of posters that say wanted alive or alive and it's the dog <laughs> and i was like 
why did I not see this the first time through? And I was like, I was thinking, I'm going to have to do a ton of research on this. Like, whose dog is this? I, is this in a previous game? And then the whole episode revolves <laughs> around the dog. And I was like, why did I forget this? What happened? <laughs> yeah, that, I think that dog should be our mascot. I would like to vote for that. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It has it's cute decided. dog. I have another little note, just a, a little observation I made that I thought was cute is that um, we all know and love the Nintendo Game Boy. At least if you were me, you grew up playing that thing. And Chiaki's little gamer set thing says Nintendo Game Girl. That is cute. I love it. <laughs> my, my quite literal only other note from this episode <laughs> is... These second game characters sure have some poop problems. <laughs> because I couldn't help but notice that Nagito is like, Hi Seiko, I'm having some constipation. I need some assistance to get it moving. <laughs> it is very strange to me that like there are a lot of people in this game who have problems with their poop but why are they going to a student for help with that yeah that's another good question <laughs> like do they not have a nurse's office <laughs> I, I, like they they're just expected to deal with any of their problems like <laughs> what did they do before seiko got to the school i <laughs> can just deal with it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea oh my gosh like teacher I accidentally ate a peanut and I'm allergic deal with it <laughs> yeah I'm sorry but Seiko isn't here so we don't have any EpiPens <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> I have like a couple other things to say about the what looks like you know the dynamic between Seiko and Rurika it seems like to me kind of echoing what you were saying before Marion about like how Rudrika doesn't seem very independent. And it seems like she's relying on Seiko a lot. She's relying on Yoi a lot. And that's all well and good, but it, it seems like there might be a kind of dynamic of, you know, Seiko maybe feeling taken advantage of. Uh, I think there, there's like a quote that, that Rudrika says at one point where she's like, oh, you always come through for me. Like you always help me whenever I need you. Which kind of implied that maybe Rurika like asks a lot of Seiko. And she's also very mad that Seiko will not eat her sweets. But I'm like, girl, Seiko has braces. She's probably not supposed to eat sweets. <laughs> also, like, maybe she has a food sensitivity. I don't know. I it, it just seemed like a very like she seemed very angry about it. And it seemed like a very like kind of dumb thing to be angry about. Like and and also just even the situation with like the um the practical exam and the laxative getting swapped for the performance enhancing drug like Rurika immediately assumes that Seiko set her up on purpose um there's no room in her mind to even consider of whether that might have been a mistake in reality because you know it was Nagito's fault um and you know Seiko tries to explain that it was a misunderstanding or whatever but like Rurika doesn't give her the time of day she doesn't give her any room for understanding or any benefit of the doubt um and yeah it just doesn't seem like Rurika is a great friend yeah she literally says did you or did you not tell me this specific drug and I was like no she did not like no she said it's on the left shelf or whatever like yeah <laughs> I know 
Also, Maddie, the whole time you were speaking, I could only think of, it was Nagito's trap. <laughs> um, also, I did want to say, I think this also like emphasizes the point of Rurika being someone who is deeply insecure. She yes. she assumes that everyone else is out, out to get her. Like like that that is just like totally that is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question for the group. If you met let's say you're an ultimate. Well, we are all ultimates, but let's say like you met someone and Maddie they hated psychology they wanted nothing to do with it you couldn't really talk to it about them like talk about it to them without them like leaving the room getting frustrated whatever do you think you could be friends with them or caroline for you for like literature i i reading i kind of i i don't know i kind of don't think so like i feel like that would be like if they didn't respect my my passion at least they don't have to like love it like i want friends who are into a bunch of different things but like if it's like they won't listen to me when i talk about her when i tell them about my life and what i'm doing that's when it's kind of like right because like even in our like literary episode uh where we you know suggested books for characters there were a lot of people where it was hard to pick one but if they would refuse to read that book i think that that would be frustrating and so like we talk about rurika like not being comfortable with Seiko not trying her sweets, but never trying it once, being like vehemently opposed to engaging in her ultimate talent. I don't know. I think we got to give her a little bit more credit for that. I think it'd be a little bit insulting. That's a really, really good point. So true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My last thing is a quote from Kizakura where he says, luck is a terrifying thing. And I think that that sums up this whole episode, to be honest. Like, I don't know. It was funny, and there was a giant dog, and there were laxatives, and it was, you know, <laughs> like, la, 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 that's funny. But it was terrifying. Nagito's luck blew up a school. That's not funny. Like, that is scary. Yeah, and yeah. So I just, I don't know. I think that Kizakura is really smart. <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere sometimes with quotes that I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was that was interesting. So for today for amended bedwed behead, we're using the trio Rurika, Yoi, and Seiko. And my prompt is star alongside you in high school musical, the musical, the show. Well, mine <laughs> mine is to be president of your glee club. Oh, <laughs> Um, Marin, I'm sorry, was that star along with you in High School Musical, the musical, the show? Right. So not High School Musical, the movie, but the High School Musical, the musical, the show. My prompt is, which character's Twitch channel would you subscribe to? Okay, I actually have my answers. I'm I'm really speedy today. Okay. You can go ahead. All right, Twitch channel would be Seiko because I feel like Seiko would just mix a bunch of things, um, make some new drugs on her Twitch channel. And I'd be like, whoa, like a new calcium channel blocker. Whoa, it'd be it'd be pretty fun to watch. <laughs> Yoi would star alongside me in High School Musical, the musical the show, um, because I think he's pretty cute. And I would be I haven't seen High School Musical, the musical the show. Uh, so I don't really know if it's still I'm pretty sure it's kids acting in high school musical so he would play the troy to my gabriella it would be great 
Um, and then Rurika would be the president of my glee club. She cannot do anything alone. And so she would give me a lot of solos, or at least we'd have some fun duets together, but she definitely wouldn't control the group. So that could be, that could be good. So I would star alongside Seiko in High School Musical, the musical, the series, for the same reason that Marin said for Yoi, except for Seiko. Uh, I think she, I, I like Seiko. I think she's very interesting and intriguing. So for the Twitch channel, I would pick Yoi because I think, <laughs> I think that I want to watch someone who's really good at video games, and I feel like he's just really good at video games. Yeah, you know what I mean. I hear but that. Yeah, because my streams are more memey, where I'm like, I'm bad at video games, and it's like that's why people come to watch. But like, I want to watch someone who's like good at video games so um yes and then um my pick for the glee club president is rurika because i think that she has the rachel berry energy that is needed to run the head of the glee club um 100 so she is my glee club president even though i was our choir president in high school so i don't know <laughs> what that says about me <laughs> i think i would also subscribe to yoi's twitch channel because he seems like he'd be an interesting guy. He's also like very aesthetically pleasing to look at. And um, yeah, I would, I would watch his, his Twitch channels. Um, he's attractive. Yeah. And <laughs> another day of talking about anime characters that are attractive. <laughs> um, I think I would perform alongside Ruderka because I think that um even though like she kind of annoys me I don't really like her when I'm like in the performance mindset if we're like both playing a part like I can get into that and I can handle that and whoever I'm with we will vibe if we're both like doing our thing and like staying on script or whatever I think that would go okay And then I guess I would have Seiko be the president of whatever glee club I'm in. I don't know how that would go, but it'd be interesting. It would be a learning experience, I think, for her and for all of us. And yeah, just see how that goes. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ultra Hope Girls and Danganronpa podcast. If you liked what you heard today, recommend us to a friend and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. It helps the podcast out so much and we really, really appreciate it. We also have a Patreon for the lowest tier of just $2 a month. You can get a bunch of bonus episodes on the weeks that we do not post content on Apple and Spotify. So definitely check that out. It is a lit time. And follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're Ultra Hope Girls Podcast everywhere. And that's it for today, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.